0: Hey everybody, just gave at the top of the episode, introducing a man who truly needs no introduction. We once again got to talk to Sam Hargrave, director of Extraction, second unit director on Avengers Endgame, Avengers Infinity War, some movies you've probably heard of. Wanted to thank Sam one more time for coming on our stupid, stupid show. It didn't take any blackmail, mind control, or trick photography. He's just a great guy. So much fun talking to him. This is a great interview, uh, and I hope you enjoy it. Okay. Well, we are we're very happy that you're you're back. This is fun. Thanks I for having s- me. Listen to the old episode where we <laughs> ask you questions, trying not to make sure we uh we don't ask the same questions again.
1: Well, hey, if I didn't answer them the first time, be sure to ask them again so I make sure you get your answers. Oh no, I think you
0: answered all our questions last time, but Yeah, we've definitely had some time to think and, and stew on some new stuff. You're making movies. Your movie wasn't out when we interviewed you last time. Uh, that's right.
1: That's right. Yeah.
0: Came out and absolutely cleaned up. Uh, <laughs> I still have people telling me about that movie now. Like, I'm still, you know, it's been two years, but people are still like, I, I feel like it didn't fall under the radar at any point because, you know, Netflix puts out so many movies, but I feel like that's one of the ones that people still think about when you're going through wow. like the streaming catalog. It's like, oh, yeah, and that movie, because that's <laughs> a crazy movie.
2: Oh, before we start, congratulations on uh, wrapping up on Extraction 2. I saw that you finished like earlier this month not a question that i wrote down but i'm just curious um ask it how do you keep your beard looking so good hey watch this This is gonna be my
1: plug hold on i'll be right
2: this is my plug for uh, (laughs) exclusive
1: uh, there's a couple things that i use here as a there's a company that uh called the beard struggle they hooked me up with products they're a company uh that you know this i i really love the products it's called viking storm you know uh beard oil beard balm and then you know you got a little brush that you can use to keep it looking uh, fresh and clean so it is actually a bit of a responsibility when you have a beard like this because all kinds of things want to just hang out in there and grow and so you have to keep it keep it brushed and cleaned and you know uh, there's a hygienic responsibility when you're carrying around something like this and so the the guys at uh, the beard struggle helped me keep my beard looking fresh and clean that's my plug for the my plug for the podcast <laughs> it's
0: truly an epic beard i will say i'm glad you brought that up because i, I was thinking that uh, you know, I, whenever i see you say i post something on instagram I'm like the beard is insane and it's amazing That's- yeah it's funny
1: it's funny because the beard you know because it, it just a little more every day you never really think about it until you look at a a photo from a maybe a different angle because even looking you know we zoom call so much nowadays or facetime Seeing this angle, the beard, like I'm used to this, but then someone'll snap a photo from a profile or something, and I'll look and go, Oh my gosh, my beard is getting pretty long. It's <laughs> even shocking to me sometimes.
0: It's hard for me to like launch right into the questions. That's the I thing. Know, is like yeah. So many of them I'm like, is this gonna be artificial? If I'm just like Nah, just
1: watch it, we'll help you segue. Go ahead, just get just start asking it. We'll...
0: you know what? Here's one that I wrote the other night. What is the most uncomfortable superhero costume you've ever had to wear for a movie?
1: Yeah, see, that's a great question. Most uncomfortable superhero costume I've ever had to wear. <sighs> well, truthfully, one that has not been, I mean, I'd probably not as well known, but you ever seen the the um, TV show, it was a small TV show called Kamen Rider? No, I have not. It was a, based on like a Japanese uh, uh, anime, I think, or like a Japanese thing. But it was, they had these helmets, right, that you would... Um, they would basically lock you in. They were made of hard plastic. They'd put them on you and they'd, you know, front and back, and then have another person who had a key, like an Allen key, and they would tighten your helmet on one side and tighten on the other side. And then you had like a, just a little mesh screen for your mouth to breathe in. You had little slit, little, you know, dots for eyes. And we were shooting on the top of a, a high, high rise in downtown Los Angeles in the summertime. So it was very hot, You're doing fight scenes and you would it was very difficult to get enough oxygen so you would be have to really calm your mind and because you would be panting and just desperately wanting to rip it off your face to get air but you had to wait and you know, like after the they had cut you'd have to stop and wait for the people with, in charge of that to come in and unscrew your helmet and pull you out of it so you could breathe that was probably the most uncomfortable suit i've ever worn uh, one that would, I guess, the more well-known in the Captain America universe, that probably the most uncomfortable one was the one from. Um, truthfully, it, it looked the best, but it's the most uncomfortable. Was from the Winter Soldier, the the first one he wore on the on the ship. Remember when he makes that kind of? It's got sure. the stealth, suits, stealth suit. the He's darker stealth. blue. It fit well, but the 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 leather straps that mm-hmm. would like go under your arm to that, to represent the the straps of the shield when he had it on his back. You know, they fit everything very tightly. And when you're trying to fight, they're just cutting off the brachial nerve and artery that runs through your hands. So sometimes your hands would go numb during the course of a day and you'd walk around with your hands over your head because as soon as you drop them, you know, the pressure from those bands, those leather straps would cut off the blood flow to your arms. Um, But hey, high class problems. I got to be Captain America (laughs) in many movies, get to work in the film business. That is not something to complain about. But since you ask, there you go.
2: Were there any that were, I imagine they weren't that comfortable, but is there any that like were surprisingly like decently comfortable to wear or are they all kind of just uncomfortable?
1: No, truthfully, the I was surprised and I think you'd be surprised by it, the the first Avengers Captain America costume, which isn't the best looking in my opinion, the, the very tight one and the light blue, very Buffy, yeah. flag-like, was surprisingly comfortable actually. It was because it was very it was all stretchy it was all lycra you know flexible material it it kind of fit like a glove so to speak and it was it was very comfortable it got uncomfortable when you had to put on extra padding for your elbows or a a harness for your torso that's when because it was you know skin tight and fitted to, to your body when you put other things on you had to you know suck it in to to make it fit and had to walk around with you know holding your breath but as a costume it was surprisingly comfortable that's really interesting
0: because that suit i feel like does stand out for me in terms of mcu costumes that one because it's so technicolor and like yeah it's not as form-fitting as a lot of the other ones okay well getting away from superhero stuff real quick if you could have been a stuntman in any past action movie what would it be any past action movie like of all time like if you could be in like speed or something yeah
1: oh man um any past action movie of all time now i'll do i mean i would go back and probably want to put myself you know uh, strangely in a lot of jackie chan movies just to have the experience to fight him but if it was an action movie of the let's say the past decade because that's a tough question it's a great question but a tough one say past decade probably mission impossible fallout right. to be involved with that style of filmmaking and that level of stunt choreography from the cars to all the chase sequences, the fights, everything about that, that movie and really all the Mission Impossible movies after the second one were just, I think, very well done. They kind of set the bar for practical stunts rather than like the kind of the CG fest of all the Marvel movies that I was also a part of. But I think being a part of that practical you know, stunt group uh, would have been pretty cool.
0: Well, that actually leads into another question. How do CGI and visual effects
1: play into modern stunt coordination? It's important as a modern stunt coordinator, fight choreographer, second unit director, director, even to understand visual effects as deeply as possible because they can allow you to make the action both more visceral and safer. The, my favorite part about visual effects is not so much. Um, I still like to do things practical. I still like to push the envelope and because and, I believe audiences respond to reality and the impact of real humans hitting the ground or real cars sliding around corners. But with the advance of CGI techniques, you can paint out pads or wires or different things that make. The stunt performer's job, I won't say easier, but a little less painful and adds to the longevity of the career. For example, when I first started, it was, you know, when you were falling to the concrete, that was it. You're hitting the concrete and hopefully you didn't smack your head up. But now you can lay down this high dense foam and you, you know, you see it in the dailies, but when you get into the editing process and you can paint out the the rough edges, or you lay down the, you know, a, a plate and you exchange that for a, another clean plate you had of the street and it looks looks like the street no the audience doesn't know any different but the stunt performer can do that multiple times more safely i think that's a huge advantage uh, and i try to utilize that as much as possible to, to elevate the action and make it more hard hitting but safer at the same time
2: now that you're kind of getting more into film direction, um, have you noticed that there's anything that's especially either similar or different when it comes to direction in comparison to being like a stunt coordinator?
1: The similarities of directing and stunt coordinating is the working with actors and stunt performers because as the director, you're, you're telling the actors what to, what to do, how to go through the dialogue as a stunt coordinator, you're telling the stunt performers, here, here, here's the action sequence that you're going through. And I got to work with a lot of actors, a lot of great actors working my way through the stunt world as a stunt coordinator, fight coordinator, stunt double. So the similarities are you're working closely with actors. You have to be very organized and to kind of know what you want, be flexible. Uh, the difference is being a stunt coordinator is you're the head of one department out of dozens as the director you're leading the entire company and you get hundreds if not thousands of questions a day from every department wondering what's going on how do i do this what do you want do you want these you know costume to be green do you want these shoes to be this do you want the hair this length how many bullet holes do you want in the car how high you know there's so many questions that come through and that so you're you're fielding questions from every department as a stunt coordinator you're really just focused on one department and you work closely with a few others like costume and special effects and vfx but as the director you work with everybody
0: uh well i know you're a big fan of jackie chan and his movies and their practicality but are there any other people who had major impacts in your career either in your personal life or just
1: other actors and performers that really inspired you oh that that list is probably too long for this, but I would just, if I just started naming people, it would be the length of this podcast, but I'll pick a few because they popped up recently is Robert Rodriguez was a huge inspiration of mine growing up because he made, you know, El Mariachi for a shoestring budget and used creative filmmaking techniques to make it look like a million bucks. And then he kind of remade that movie with Desperado and then kind of showed the Hollywood world what was possible and then, but went on to what I admire so much, but is his ownership of the properties. Like he creates these franchises like the, you know, Desperado franchise or the spy kids. Um, and he, he has his ownership and he created his own studio, troublemaker studio, like down in Austin, Texas. He's got his own back lot, his own studio, all of it's in house. Like he, he, he and his family, like different family members that write the scripts, they shoot it, like actually film it with the cameras, they do the visual effects, they do the musical composing, they edit, like it's an in-house studio, which I admire so much because it it's just, you know, filmmaking's like a way of life for them and him. And I find, I don't know, I find that level of involvement and control very inspiring. So I think he, he'd be at the top of the list. Uh, and then some people that I've actually gotten to work with and, and inspired me would be Chad Stahowski and David Leach. Cause when I was coming up, when I first got to LA, they were kind of, they were always a couple of steps ahead of me. And so I was always chasing them that, you know, when I was first starting out in stunts, they were fight coordinating and stunt coordinating. When I got into fight coordinating they were second unit directing. And then when I was starting to get the second unit directing, they were directing, you know, John Wick and Atomic Blonde. And, you know, and then same here. Now when I'm directing Extraction, they've, They've each started their own kind of studio, like 8711 Productions and then 87 North. Like they've they're kind of doing all the things that I want to do, just like a step ahead of me. So it's really inspiring to have them, you know, leading the way, but also fueling the fire that I'm trying to catch up to them. And I I don't know if I ever will, because they're, in my opinion, they're the masters of their craft, but I'm I'm trying. Are there any people
2: that you especially want to work with again or anybody that you haven't worked with before that really
1: want to? I would work with Chris Hemsworth again any day of the week and twice on Sundays. He's a great human being, super talented actor, great collaborator, love the guy. There's, uh, I would say, I mentioned him a lot, but Jackie Chan, if I get a chance to work with Jackie Chan at some point in my career, I would be a very, very happy uh, man. Uh, And I would... I don't know how I would do it just um, maybe as a producer or something, but I would love to work with, with Spielberg to see how he works, how his mind works and how he gets to the, you know, the level of stuff he, he gets to um, you know, I'm sure a lot of people would like to work with him, but those, those are kind of my, my top three.
0: I would love to see. All those guys in a movie together that would hey be that
1: the four of us got sam horn grab chris hemsworth jackie Chan, and steven spielberg i don't know what, what would that movie be like <laughs> it
0: could, yeah. something great that's a lot of input from very <laughs> different wild
1: circles Yeah. uh okay what is your favorite location that your career has taken you to so far oh you're full of fantastic questions favorite location you know part of my i guess philosophy on life is it's it's really favorite it's i try to everywhere i go i try to be present enjoy whatever that place has to offer and see the good in the space right every every place just is we come in and label it good or bad because based on our expectations so i don't really think there's been a bad location that i've been but favorite i really maybe it's just because of um you know proximity bias but i really enjoy uh Prague. I mean, we were just there. So something like proximity, closeness as um, in the experiential realm. But I really enjoyed Prague. It's a very livable city. It's got amazing history. There's a pub on one of the main roads that was founded or first started in the 1300s. But then they've also got, you know, very modern um, cuisine, very great food. People are super nice. You can go from there to a lot of other places in Europe very easily. And they've got some great seasons. Summer's beautiful, you know, winter's got the snow. Prague has kind of a little bit of everything. I really enjoyed the Prague Czech Republic. It was fun.
0: This is something that I saw on your IMDB. And you can uh you correct me if I'm wrong, but you've been eyeing that
2: one for a while. <laughs> not that one.
0: I have a I have two oh, okay, questions okay. based on password. Um, right. that really interests me but this kind of blew my mind because i couldn't even imagine what this job would look like on that movie but it mm-hmm. said that in some way you worked on her
1: <laughs> yeah i get that i get that one a lot and, um great question i myself was curious why that was on my imdb for the longest time oh my god <laughs> but i figured it out and this is a tech some technicalities that hey maybe it's you know oversharing or people don't care or maybe somebody gets mad but whatever this is the truth i i worked i was working on i was prepping which is like kind of helping prepare another uh stunt show the person i was working for was stunt coordinating her and you know to, and sometimes like in stunt coordinating you have it may not be a big action show but if there's a crowd scene where someone's running through a crowd or a car just pulls up near an actor usually a stunt coordinator is present. So we probably got paid. They had a certain budget now, and you know, <laughs> the person, you know, the person brought me in to work on something else. But I got paid for on, on the co- contractually working on her. And so in the paperwork, you know, like I was paid for something else. That that was what it was I was told it was for coming up with fights for something else. But this is where the money came from. The money then goes back to the production. The production sees my name. They put it on the crew list. And next thing you know, IMDb i'm i was you know did stunts on her i didn't you know full disclosure i did not uh that was for another thing i was doing for uh, uh, basically a, a favor for a friend and that that's how it happened
0: that's amazing <laughs> uh because i think even the last time we talked to you i saw that and was like that's yeah weird. <laughs> one day because yeah. I mean, that's like one of my favorite movies and that is Hey, like...
1: great movie and i would have loved to work on that movie but i i have to confess i, I did not directly work on that movie
0: Okay. Yeah, my brain was trying to make connections because it was like, well, Scarlett Johansson. And you've worked with Scarlett. Like, I'm trying to figure out what the links. Putting could all the pieces be, together.
1: Yeah, know. exactly. Yeah. Was it like? Was it did he double? Joaquin Phoenix? Who was he? Who was he doubling? Yeah,
0: exactly. Because <laughs> I, <laughs> I was trying to think. Like, it said utility stunts. Also, it, yeah, isn't like it's like fire stuff, right? It's
1: like, a utility yeah. stunts. And here's another probably boring technicality, but utility stunts is a term that's used. Unless you're a stunt double, basically. You can be a stunt double, and that's a very specific job. I, I double Chris Evans as a Chris Evans stunt double or Captain America stunt double. But then everybody else and the utility stunt contract, that means that you can do all of it. and, you know, kind of get paid one rate to do a lot of different things, whether it's driving a car, you're, you know, uh, flying on wires, doing fights. You might double this guy for one day. You might, um, you know, do, be on fire do underwater stuff. It's a, it's a general contract that allows the stunt performer to do many different things under one blanket payment.
2: Going back possibly to a little early in your career, do you have any of like the shorts that you worked on that you are especially still fond of?
1: <laughs> well, here's the, you know, it's funny that we put them on YouTube when YouTube was just coming out and we haven't taken them down probably should because some of them are embarrassing but I I left them up there and we you know we discussed discussed it with the friends because I think it's a pretty great I'm not ashamed of any of the stuff that we've done because at that time that's where we were and we were doing our best and what it does is that through the years it just tracks the progress of uh, the evolution of me and my friends as filmmakers and artists and I think that's interesting for and for people to see, to see, like, all right, we started with, you know, this on YouTube and now, you know, we're directing extraction. So to see that growth that gives you, it gives you, um, inspiration, maybe, hopefully, or at least like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm at this level. I can get to that level if I keep going. So I've left, I mean, okay, so to answer, I didn't answer your question. To answer your question, I still am very proud of. I mean, the stuff that was online i believe it's still there this little thing we did um called i believe it's still on youtube called fatal i think it's still called fatal fernando chen and i wrote it i got to you know act in it and it's actually where i met my, you know my my current partner rachel mcdermott and she um 15 years ago we made that thing now or 14 years ago uh, and you know there's still a, a a lot of the techniques that we use I mean, I still use them today, you know, and, and a lot of the things that we learned on that short film has carried over and still works. Like we use practical blood effects when we did a, you know, we had a rubber knife. We were doing all the things that you you know to do. You don't fight with a real knife on screen, like have a, have a stunt knife. So we had a rubber knife that doubled for the real knife. We use that during the fight, but we, you know, when there was blood, it was a practical effect. And we had a, uh, air hose hooked to an air compressor with a little valve on it so when the guy's holding it and you turn the air on it's blowing out the blood so it looks like it's spraying everywhere very just practical simple effects that anybody can do we just did them, and i think it actually worked pretty well and the the other thing was that even in that short amount of time it's like a seven minute short film it feels like you connect to the characters and you understand what's happening and connect with what's happening so there's an emotional connection even watching it now. No, technically there's some rough spots acting wise, not so great, but you do with the music and all the elements put together, there is a connection to the characters, even if small. And so you feel something during the course of it. And I'm, you know, I'm proud of that still to this day.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's, that's really great. I mean, a part of why we did the show in the first place is to go back and look at like, because like superhero movies are the biggest thing in the world. How did we
1: get here?
2: How did we yeah. get here from like old Captain America movies? Like- right, right?
1: It's crazy. In the 70s, yeah. That's, so. On that, I'm going to just drop another little plug here, a book I've been reading uh, called The Gap and the Gain, which I feel if you haven't read, I think it's, it's very inspiring. And you guys mentioning that you did this podcast to look back. Part of what that book is about is we're, we're kind of always looking back, but it's how we look back. Do we look at it as being, there's a gap, like things that we've missed, things that we're like, oh, I wish I had done this, or is it in gain? Like, look how far we've come. Look what we've accomplished. Like, if you guys, if you look back, you know, at the start of high school, you look back four years, where were you then compared to where you are now? Think of all the things you've accomplished. Think of all the things, how far you've come. If I go back five years, you know, I, five years ago, I hadn't directed a movie. And now I just finished directing my second movie. So if you, if you look at life retrospectively, if you're always measure backwards, you look back and you say, wow, I've really come a long way and give yourself a little, you know, not too much, but a little pat on the back and say, good job. You know, that gives you the confidence to keep going, knowing that you've done this before. You can build on that and keep building and building. And next thing you know, your staircase goes to the stars. So you were talking about in the shorts that you've,
2: done a little acting in them um yeah. and you've had some cameos in some movies would you ever consider like joining in acting taking 100
1: percent, 100 i would i would you know it's, it's funny ever since 2007 scott adkins and i have been trying desperately to come up with a movie project that we could do together where you know we act across from each other you know, do big fight scene we have to decide who plays the bad guy probably me because he's more famous he's more of a hero but we, you know some, somebody's a good guy somebody's a bad guy or maybe you're working together but you do a big action scene and act in the movie and if I sure I maybe it directed as well but I would I would love to do a movie where I just acted and that was my job that would be a lot of fun don't know if he would be that great at it based on my body of work but I would love to do it and I would give it all I had what are your,
0: what would you say are your current career goals then? Because I imagine that's a constantly shifting thing.
1: It is. It's it. you always got to, you know, just kind of recalibrate after each show and after each accomplishment and say, what, you know, what do I still want to do? Career goals. I, within the next five to 10 years, I want to create an action film empire, which is I want to create a production company that is the brand is known for hard-hitting, real, emotional, primal action movies, kind of in the vein of the extraction films, or like a, you know, John Wick, all those guys inspire me, but also that it has a little bit of humor, you know, like the, again, referencing Jackie Chan, but even Die Hard, I think, has some great humor in it, but movies in that vein that entertain audiences around the world, and I want it to be like the The Sam Hargrave brand like you hear that name that's the kind of movie you're gonna get it's gonna be top top notch so I'm gonna create this um, action movie empire and I'm gonna throw it out there I said on this podcast uh, I want to I want to win an Oscar for directing like I want to because I I love storytelling and I feel like the, the challenge you know so many times action movies as as a genre kind of get oh they're just you know it's just action it's just a bunch of stuff blowing up I do believe in some of the great ones all of the great ones it's about character and about connection with the human connection and primal needs and love stories can be in there and I think mixing again doesn't have to be an action movie that might necessarily win the Oscar but telling stories at that level is something I aspire to will I ever I don't know but that's a goal is someday to be up there and say thank you academy for this because to me that would be kind of the um whether i do or not it's not that's not going to determine my my feeling of success but it would be like a benchmark to say hey this achieved a certain level in the industry and that's a pretty high bar and that's that would be that's what i see for myself
0: are there genres aside from action that you'd be interested in working
1: in totally there's really there aren't a whole lot of genres that i'm not interested in well that's not true i don't Horror is one that I, I never, growing up, I never spent a lot of time watching. Never really, um, I don't say enjoy. There's some great ones out there, and I appreciate the genre, but I don't have a whole lot of desire to do that one. Um, comedies, I, I enjoy a comedy. Drama, it's a very, it's a very wide-ranging uh, genre, but I would do a drama for sure. There's sci-fi that, again, the the only stipulation for me really is the story and the characters if there's a great story it doesn't matter if it takes place in space or in the future or in the past that's what interests me because gladiator it's a great story you know that doesn't really matter if it takes place it's part of the 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 detail and the the beauty is that it takes place when it does but then you've got aliens great movie takes place in outer space and there's aliens but it's a great story And it pulls you in. And it's primal human needs and desires that we can identify with. And I think those are the great stories. So if it was an alien movie in outer space, sure. A Western? Gotta do a Western before I'm done. I love Westerns. And I think there's a version of that hasn't, the character hasn't quite been done correctly. Well, actually not even close. Not since the 1950s TV serial with Clayton Moore, but The Lone Ranger. That's another one here on y'all's podcast first. That's one that I i'm going to put out there that i'll do before my career is done in the way that i think would best represent that character would be the lone ranger in in the way that i see it i want to do that
0: somebody should uh probably save the reputation of the lone ranger <laughs> yeah should the last exactly <laughs> oh
1: man that last one. Oh boy that was a kick, <laughs> kick in the pants for all fans of of the lone ranger of that character
0: yeah i don't want uh disney to come after you but that that's a, that's a movie. Hey,
1: did, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's see that's the beauty, beauty of where we at least at up until this moment, I'm not putting it on Twitter, who knows it privatize all these uh, outlets but at this moment freedom of speech my opinion is that that was not the best movie that's part of what makes filmmaking and art so interesting, right is some people may have loved that movie. Disney may be proud of it. I don't think so. Like, because they're kind of squashing. It. I've been actually going after the rights and they're kind of keeping it they're like, no, nah, what? One Ranger? I don't even know what you're talking about. They kind of keep it buried away. But in my opinion, not a great movie. That doesn't mean that the movie's not great. That means that's my opinion. I think, you know, same with like, you know, you you all might love extraction or you somebody might hate extraction. Those people that absolutely despise the movie. That's their opinion. That's totally valid. It's the, it's the fun and yet challenging thing about art. Is it's completely subjective. You know, something, somebody like Oscar winning movies that the, these people that love movies and say, oh, this is a great movie. Some people, they're like, oh, I fell asleep. It was boring. Hated it. You know, that's so how do you, set, how do you measure uh, success for the movie? Because you're never going to make everybody happy. Right. That, that's gonna, this one goes, but forget movies. In life, you're never going to make everyone happy. So stop trying to make everyone happy. Do do you be truthful to who you are and what you want in life? Be kind to people, but you're never going to make everyone happy. So stop trying. Okay, look, I don't have this question written down. Okay, go off, heart, off your head. In my
0: heart, I've wanted to ask this for a long time. Whose idea? And this is not negative. This is amazing. Yeah. Whose yeah. idea was it for a man named Tyler Rake to kill a man with a rake? <laughs>
1: it wasn't mine. I'll give you that. I. And I don't know who exactly had the idea, but it came from there was an online, whether uh, a blog or article, but I, and I don't know exactly. I forget at this moment which publication it was. I could find it with a little bit of research. But they, they heard about the movie coming out. There was a teaser that Netflix was releasing a movie with Chris Hemsworth, and the character's name was Tyler Rake. And the the writer said, "I I would be so happy if this character." killed someone with a rake he was i think he was joking i read the article and i was like hmm that's actually a pretty great idea that i haven't really seen before and the irony doesn't escape me obviously it didn't escape this person so you know what let's put it in the movie and so i we were we were trying to find where is the best place and how do we do it and and truthfully we had to even go back and reshoot that part of that fight because the first version of the rake you know, killing the guy wasn't as cool like how do to make it better and we landed on what made the movie and but i have to so that that honor or that i guess idea goes to uh, um, anonymous at this moment anonymous blogger or, or article writer out there who who suggested it i took the suggestion and now you're asking me the question
0: he was right it was a good
1: idea i mean yeah as, as <laughs> yeah. kind of like cheesy as that is it it
2: right good so and you know
1: what's funny cheesy there's like there's funny i did this questionnaire or this this podcast somebody asked me about or i don't know what i was doing but talking about cheesy in movies and cheesy and and, um cliche i think was actually the word you know the reason things are cliche is because they work like those beats work and so but then they get overused and repeated in the same way and they don't put a lot of creative thinking into that So then it becomes a cliche which is like oh my gosh same thing so cheesy is like you know kind of a a fun moment that because you know you didn't try hard enough or you like tried too hard it just didn't quite work so now it's cheesy but the moment the idea actually often works so that could have been yes that the rake could have been terrible it could have been him like grabbing it hitting the guy and be like i don't know what he would say (laughs) um yeah here's a rick in your eye whatever you could do something terrible and that would be cheesy, that would be bad. But then you kind of put it in a little bit subtly, like you build the world or say he'd been in a space station and he put, there's like, where'd the rake come from? That's stupid. But in this world that we built, you know, that was, the place was falling down. There's like a little shovel over here. There's like bricks laying on the ground. A rake in that world makes sense and so to use it you know we now he's got no weapons what does he do we so we tried to think of all the ways to make it fit in our world in the logic and the kind of the rules that we've established for this universe and then just put it in there and don't apologize for it <laughs> and it worked
0: yeah no i mean we love weird campy stuff too yeah. and then, like, that's like
1: so Kill him with I, a rake. go for it it's <laughs>
0: like a generally serious movie and then it's like his name's Rake and he killed a man with a rake. That's like the flair where I'm like, yes, yep. thank you. That is you. Somebody gets it.
1: <laughs> well, I appreciate that you guys get it. And uh, thank you for that. But also thank the, whoever that was that had the idea. I'll think of the name. I wish I, I had it on the top, of my, top of my head. I'll have to do some research, but we can find it out.
2: Kind of related to uh, Extraction and now Extraction 2. Um, how is your role in post-production kind of different now that you're in the director's seat instead of like stunt coordination?
1: As a stunt coordinator, you really had zero involvement in the post-production process, which leads to a lot of frustration. And truthfully, is why Chad and Dave and myself kind of got into directing. Not solely, but a large part, because we would put a lot of time and energy into designing these action sequences. We had a vision for how they, in our opinion, would best be edited and executed and shown to the public. And then you just shoot it. You don't have any. You shoot it. You give it to the the team. You go on to the next job. And then a year later, when the movie comes out, you're like, "Oh boy, can't wait to see all this cool stuff we did." And then it, you're like, "What? That's terrible." What? That's how not what I wanted. They, no. Like how could they? How yeah. could they do that? So, so it would just that like ah, oh, so frustrating because you you know you'd almost be embarrassed. You'd be like, "That's not that is." Oof. Gosh, I wish you could see how I see it in my head. And so, you know, we start moving our way up to like the directing to where, you know what, now people are going to get to see this, how I want people to see it. And so then, you know, as a, as a director, to answer your question, you have, you're in there every day, not every director, but I, I try to be in there every day, looking through every clip, every bit of footage. And we shot a lot. We shot, I think, I don't know, like 2,500 setups on this show. Like there's, many tens of hours of, of footage to make a you know an hour and a half movie but I want to look through it and see what did we get review it say what's the best moment here what is what did we get through this do we are we missing something and it's really a it's like putting together one big jigsaw puzzle there's certain ways that it fits together better than others and you got to find that and it takes time it takes a lot of um you know sleepless nights sometimes and you know, a lot of uh, passion because you have to love it. You have to, you're spending so much of your time with this project, you have to love what you're doing and love the material. So as a stunt coordinator, you shoot it, you drop it off and you're gone to the next project. As a director, you stay with it from conception, execution to editing until people look at it and either love it or hate it.
0: Yeah, well, I'm not sure how much you're allowed to say uh, right now, Mm -hmm. but what can we expect from extraction too? What can you give us?
1: well i can say that we we did some things that i've never seen or uh seen done in movies before uh i think the it's kind of what you hope for in a sequel which is a a little bigger a little better the same but different learning more about the characters while elevating the action so i can say in that regard it's we got twice as much bang for your buck on this one because we we did some pretty wild action sequences and some some relentless relentless beats in there and some really great new characters you're going to meet and and seeing familiar characters with a new side to them so it's i'm excited for the world to see it
2: Well, i'm sure at least i am i'm really excited to see it very
0: excited to see it. how dare you i can't wait <laughs> okay well a big part of why we also wanted to bring you back is because we're wrapping up our show here we're gonna talk about uh, end game is really the last one we have and then we're done yeah. is there any stories from that movie that you would- Ooh,
1: there are so many stories from that movie um but let's see let's pick up pick a few that that movie was actually huge in, in my career because that was when i i had second unit directed before i did it with the accountant i did um you know uh Infinity War a little bit. I did uh, what was that uh, Suicide Squad reshoots. I did you know, a number of other things, smaller things. But then, with in the game, I got to do some big sequences. I actually got to do to direct fully. It wasn't just an action. I got a lot of action sequences. But then the Russo's tasked me with directing. You know the the scene where, um, and there's not a spoiler alert, because the movie's been out forever and you guys are fans, but when um, uh, Hawkeye is fighting the, uh, I don't know what do you call them, the, Chita- not the chitari. what are those monsters called? The little dog-like monsters? I've worked on it and I can't even remember. But Thanos' minions, right? That um, with their, After the explosion goes off and the Avengers compound collapses and Hawkeye is in the tunnels with the water and the red light Shot the tunnel sequence with him, but then I also shot um uh nebula's death scene. Mm. So when when Gamora comes and shoots, no, sorry, when Good Nebula shoots past bad nebula and they have that that whole scene, I got to shoot that whole scene. Wow. I, yeah, it was that was pretty awesome because I believe it was the, Joe and Anthony Russo's way of testing me and making sure that I could handle things they knew they could always reshoot it and make it better if it sucked. But they let me do it because we were about, they were about to let me go direct Extraction, which was a script that Joe had written. So I think it was a bit of a, a test. Say like, hey, let's see if they can handle it. And, you know, I, I guess I passed because I got to do Extraction and it was awesome. Uh, see on Endgame, what else? Uh, that was, I don't know if I've ever been, or any movie really has had more stars and a-list actors in one place at one time like there were you know i think 32 principal good guys not to mention the bad guy team of things that at one time you could have them all you know when you're on the battlefield they're they're all there and so that like that star power in one place was something i don't know Maybe, they, I don't know if you'd ever repeat that, truthfully. I don't know if, because everyone's going their different ways. I don't know if you ever repeat that level, just where, where the actors were in their careers at that time and all came together and where the Marvel Cinematic Universe was. It was just a really special moment uh, and project to be a part of.
2: Is there a particular process when it comes to, like, first getting a stunt when it's written and bringing it to the screen?
1: Everybody has their own process. But for me the script will come in i will read the script multiple times just to kind of get once to get a feel for it then be like, all right what what's it really meaning what's it, what is the action doing for the story what what are we looking for here and then it kind of whatever stunt team i'm working with or you know fight team i've got whatever the action is per se well let's let's take for example um, atomic Blonde. Because that's kind of halfway between. I was like, I was stunt coordinator and second director, but I wasn't directing. So it's it'll give you a, a sense of. So in the script, it was Broughton coming downstairs. Two other uh, spies were going past her, and like she, they spy each other, and she shoots two guys, and then walks down out of the building. That was the script. Then Joe Joe sorry D- Dave Leach the director, he said. Uh, I want to make more of this. I think this is a good place to to showcase some action. Uh, and so we're like, okay, sounds good. And he said, and I want to do it as kind of one shot. And I was like, what? That's a terrible idea. But then I thought about it and I was like, you know what? Actually, it's a great idea. And I've, back in I think, 2001, I was, when I was in university, I was shooting, doing oners for like these weird little shorts that I would do. I got to find that one, put that on YouTube. I think it was called Stuntman Conversation. It was a five minute oneer. You know, just guys talking and stunts happening in the background. We did it with like three people and it was hilarious. Uh, anyway, so I said, all right, Dave, you come to the right place. We're going to, we'll get it going for you. So we, we just kind of start the process of coming up with ideas. Like what's, what's the space we got? All right. So there's however many floors, there's four floors. What's in the space. All right. There's a, there's a stairwell. We got an elevator. She's got a gun. He's going to start thinking, what are the elements involved? What's the space? What are the elements? Who are the characters? What kind of skill set do they have? What, do we want to, what, do we, what story are we trying to tell? What, how are we revealing more about the character or moving the story forward? And then, all right, what are some cool moves we've always wanted to do that make sense for these characters? So you start, you get the stunt team involved and you're like, was, throw a punch at me. And they like, okay, you, all right, we can block here, we can do this. And you start developing all these moves and then you start to piece them together like a puzzle. And then you take it on the, you start rehearsing it. You film some ideas, rough ideas. It's like a first draft of a script or a, a, an essay. And you look at it and you go, hmm, that's not so good. We need to move this here and move that there. That's a little bit boring. I don't like that move. And that, as a sun coordinator and as the designing the action, I'm overseeing it. So you got a lot of people who are in there and be like, all right, this move, this move. And you, from the outside, you go, hmm, less of that right, you know, less of those right punches. Maybe two, not four. And they go, okay. And they do it. And he's like, you know what? They shouldn't fall on their, on their back. Should should fall on his face because it's cool to knock his teeth out. And then we can do a puddle of blood, whatever the, the specifics are. And then, you know, then we got it. All right. That's, that's the action. It feels good. Now, how are we going to do this in one shot? (laughs) So, All right. We can't actually do it in one shot, which we thought we tried to, we thought of how can we do this with, you know, the switching out the stunt double for the actor while the stunt doubles on camera. Can we be putting makeup on her? Like how can we do it as one shot? We decided just logistically it was, it was too difficult because we were traveling too many floors. You couldn't have, everyone follow you like hair makeup and costume could not follow you and then change her off on camera so we broke it up into stitches these invisible blends decided on what they were then we take it to the space then we go to the actual location we rehearse it and you know then you got to teach the actor the fight and then the actor's going to have their ideas then you show it to the director director's going to have their ideas you change it and you're kind of modifying and changing this thing all the way to when you're shooting and you know then you shoot it best you can and, you know, you, you're done. You go home. And rarely do you ever feel like you have enough time. Always, you're like, ah, oh, I, just, I just need a little more time. But those constraints on your time usually end up in interesting, if not better, creative decisions. You know, like we had a whole bit uh, planned after. I don't know if you remember Atomic Blonde, but where she uses the corkscrew and stabs the guy in the neck. And she says a line to him. And then that's it. We had a whole another two minutes of a fight after that. But we were running out of time, and we're like, "Oh man!" And then Dave had a great idea. He's like, "Well, what if we just... What if we just end it with a great line here?" She stabs him in the throat. It's a great line, and then he's done. And I'm like, "Cool, sounds good to me." And it works, and people remember that line. So because if we had had more time, who knows what it would have looked like if it was two more minutes long? People might have gotten bored. People, you know, who knows? But creative decisions get made a lot of times within the restrictions of time constraints. So that's a basic walkthrough for at least Atomic Blonde. You get, you know, you what's the script? You embellish it if you need to, uh, based on character or story. Decide how the character is going to grow, what the fight or action scene is going to do to move the story forward. Then you start putting it up, bringing all the people, all the experts. You start getting ideas going. Refine those. Rehearse those. Shoot those and then send them to the editing room.
0: Well, I mean, we should probably start wrapping this thing up sometime soon. I know, we'll, we'll never be satisfied. I know. Yeah, hey. Um,
1: you know, that's one of that we just talked about, There's time constraints, right? Sometimes the, you have to make, you know, you got that list of 20 questions, you're like, "Ah, I can only ask three, you know, two more, which two? And you pick one and, you know, sometimes it works out. Well.
0: Well, I think I know what mine is. Okay. Um,
1: yeah, all right. What yours is going to be. Okay. Look.
0: Uh, okay, last time that we talked to you, we brought up Superman unplugged um because yeah. basically just relics from the past of entertainment really fascinate us or me at least <laughs> um and so i just wanted to know <laughs> this was a discovery i think i made like last night mm-hmm. uh what was it like working on roadhouse 2
1: roadhouse 2 was a raucous good time in baton rouge louisiana it was my first location movie so i was young man i was probably 23 24 years old i'd only been in la for a year eight months something like that and just started i mean i've been doing stunts back in north carolina but i had just gotten to la just starting to get my feet wet so to speak and then jj perry i auditioned for I actually think it was beowulf or something for garrett warren it's like a, i was trying to do something and it didn't work out i wasn't good enough and then but jj saw my tape or he was there and he was like huh Like, hey, kid, you know, can you do that? Do this fall, and I would do a fall, do this reaction. I do the reaction, throw this kick. I throw the kick. He's like, huh, might have a job for you, and I was like, okay. And he, you know, didn't hear anything. And he calls me and said, hey, you want to come to Baton Rouge, Rouge, Louisiana? I'm doing a movie down there called Roadhouse 2. I said, yeah, I'm in. And so I got to, I was doubling Jonathan Sheck, who I mean, God bless him. I haven't, I haven't heard hide nor hair of him since that movie, truthfully. but I got to, there's so many great, I met a lot of great people on that show. Ellen Holman, who is still a friend. She, she did, uh, she was most recently in The Matrix. She played the lead female. I forget the name of the character, but she was the lead female, uh, the blonde girl. And but she was most recently in The Matrix playing the kind of the weird, not weird, the alternate version of Trinity in the opening mm-hmm. of the new Matrix. Mm-hmm. But she, she was in Spartacus and she's in all kinds of stuff. But I met her there and, you know, still, we're still friends to this day. Got to work with J.J. Perry. I, I met Larnell Stovall there. He was fight coordinating. He's great. I got to work with, um, uh, uh on his name. Richard Norton, who, I don't know if you, if you don't, if you like relics from the past, I mean, I will not say that he'd kill me and he would choke me out. He's such an amazing martial artist, but he was in some great hong kong movies he had a great fight with samo hung and i think it was millionaires express you mm. want a very entertaining fight and one that actually vlad rimmerg and i is always connected to weird things if you've ever seen the movie or if you haven't you should my lucky star no unlucky stars unlucky stars check it out is a, a, a independent movie martial arts movie that i did over the course of like five years with some friends of mine i just had a small small partner. if you want to see me act some more I'm in that but the fight scene we did I um, it's based on the fight that Richard Norton and Samuel Hung did in um, Millionaire's Express so I kind of represent the, uh, the Richard Norton character and Vlad Rimmer kind of represents the Samuel Hung character if you watch the two of those you'll see the similarities but anywho Richard Norton amazing he was a hero of mine as a martial artist and as a, like a action actor and I got to do a fight scene with him because I was doubling Jonathan Sheck and I doubled him a lot. I got to get my butt kicked by Richard Norton and it was awesome.
0: That's amazing. Thank you so much for uh, indulging me.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome.
0: Do you have uh, one more question? I would hate for that to be our last call. Um,
2: yeah, if we're <laughs> going to do one last question. Aside from all the directing and the stunts and all that, is there anything that you want people to know about you, the man,
1: Sam Hargrave? Wow. you. The two of you have some amazing questions. What do I want people to know about me? Uh, well, I, I, would, I would like people to know if they don't already that I, I try to, my it's philosophy is to you know, be present and to, to try as much as possible to look at life as just what is, not, not bringing expectations into situations. And I, my kind of feeling is that a lot of our suffering comes from expectations. And if we can just be present and be positive, have a, a positive outlook, and then a, a holistic perspective on every situation that we can, you know, kind of live joyfully. Because if we have the expectation, this is how I think it should be, or there's like, you know, this is, it's going to be like this. And it, it's not like that. You have this, then you're, you're, you're butting up against this this wall that you've created of what you think it should be. Whereas if you say, hey, this is what I would love it to be i'm going to manifest it being this and then leave it and if it is that great if it's not that great because it is what it is and you just like you adapt and you like water i mean bruce lee's philosophy of be like water my friend is one of the most profound simple amazing philosophies there is because water just finds its way through it doesn't you know it comes up against a rock It like either goes over it goes around it it's not like why is there a rock here? I can't do what I want to do with my life. It's like, doesn't stop it. Like, and if it comes up against the wall, it'll just either like keep rising, keep until it goes over the wall and gets where it wants to go. It'll smash it down or go under it. Like it finds a way through. And I guess to long story short, I want people to know that there's a, um, I try to live a life that is uh, positive, have a perspective on things that it is the way it is we, we bring to it good or bad, it is what we make it. And we have the power of choice, which is one of the most powerful things in, in the human uh, experience.
0: Well, thank you so much for talking to us again, Sam. This was just so much fun. Uh, really glad that we got the chance to, to ask you some more of our dumb questions. Yeah. Hey, you have always no dumb questions.
1: The honor was mine. I really appreciate it. You guys are great. Good luck with the rest of your journey. And hey, you're very close. The, a, a huge milestone in your lives, graduating high school. Congratulations! Well, oh,
0: thank you so much. I hope we get the the chance to run into you out there one day. Uh, hey, gonna... you you know how to
1: contact me? Look me up. Um, you know I'm around. It's always right, a pleasure. Well, thank
0: you so much once again. All um, right. All right. Great talking thank to you. you.